Welcome to Real Men Connect. Are you ready to be the extraordinary man, husband, father, and leader God called and created you to be? Then get ready to receive wisdom and guidance from some of the country's most respected men of faith as you learn everything you need to know to go from good man to great man God's way. No judgment, no shame. Just real men with real challenges seeking real change. All for God's glory. Hello, mighty men of God, and welcome to the Real Men Connect podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Joe Martin, and every week we interview some of the nation's most respected and accomplished men of faith to find out what it really takes to become the kind of husband, father, and spiritual leader God called and created us to be. Each interview session is packed with practical, proven biblical principles you can immediately apply in your relationships, on your job, and in your community. Today we have with us Dr. Ronnie Phillips, Jr., who is the Senior Associate Pastor of Abba's House in Chattanooga, Tennessee. He's been part of Abba's house since he was born and has served the church full-time since 2007 in many different positions. Pastor Ronnie is carrying the mantle of gospel ministry to the nations. He holds a bachelor's degree in theology and a master of ministry degree in biblical studies. He also has a doctor of ministry degree from Covington Theological Seminary. He has led crusades in Guatemala, Nicaragua, Dominican Republic, and in states across the Southeast for Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Ronnie is the co-author of The Power of Agreement, God's Secret for Your Successful Relationships with Friends and Family and in the Workplace, also written with his father, Dr. Ron Phillips Sr. The Lord has used this message of agreement and unity to bring restoration to many churches. And I asked Pastor Ronnie to be on the show today to share with us his personal testimony and how it relates to his book, The Power of Agreement. Welcome to the Real Men Connect podcast, Pastor Ronnie. So glad you can join us. Thank you, Dr. Joe. Love you so much. Admire the work that you do around the country, and I'm so honored to be with you today. And likewise. And Pastor Ronnie, I'm so happy that you know we finally got you on the show because it wasn't easy. <laughs> yeah, that's that's an understatement. Sometimes so. you can have such a big staff that you, that you you don't know how to work Skype. So <laughs> pray for us. The Holy Spirit got us got us connected. Glory to God. I gotta believe too that that means that we're gonna be blessed by what you're gonna share with us because I had a chance to read the Power of Agreement and I was more intrigued with your person. So even though there's a strong message about the Power of Agreement, and we'll get into that, but your testimony to me was um just so good. And I think that a lot of men out there who, um, especially um, having a father who is very well known and respected as you are, and some of the challenges that you faced um, as a young man coming up in ministry, I think it could bless a lot of men out there. But before we get started, Pastor Ronnie, um, we always ask men to share with us their favorite Bible verse and what gives them inspiration in the Word of God. So what's yours, man? My favorite verse is 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. And i tell you why that's my favorite verse. Uh, it is also the first Greek word I ever learned, which the Greek word for creation there is ketosis. We get our word ketosis from it. And it is the process of of change or the process of recreation and what it taught me joe once i really started studying the scriptures was i'm not as bad as i used to be but i'm not as good as i'm going to be and that we are all in a process and i once i discovered the doctrine of grace after years of many failure i realized that i could grow in my process i could grow closer to god i could become better over a period of time 
with the right kinds of people in God's Word in my life. And and that's what God did. You know, I got to tell you, I knew there was a reason why you and I um, connect on a emotional as well as spiritual level, because that's one of my favorite quotes from the Bible. Um, because when I had to go through a life of losing a lot that I thought I had gained on my own. And I don't know about um, how you came to it, it inspires you, but with me, um, I didn't think God could forgive me. I, I didn't think for the mistakes that I made and the wrong turns I took, I just thought, wow, I've done it big time now. I've messed up so, bu- so bad that he will not be able to love me again. And that became my bedrock scripture, that if I'm in him, I am a new, a new creation, a new creature. So I'm glad to hear that that's yours as well. Now, you just brought this up, and that's where we'll, we'll start off right there. You mentioned about the many failures <laughs> that you, and it, and it came out of your mouth, Pastor Ronnie, not mine, but I read about some of them. But I want you to share with us, uh, why did you feel like, because, you know, you're you're pretty still a pretty young pastor, but why did you feel like a failure? When do you remember first feeling that way and why? Well, it, I think it's something the enemy does to you in your childhood, uh, particularly for me as a, a, a pastor's son uh, or, or a business leader's son or, or, or a politician or, or anyone uh, even that's just has a lot of notoriety in the community. When, when, when you are, are kind of following in someone's footsteps or you're in the shadow uh, of a parent or grandparent, there, there's a pressure that comes on you at an early age that's really not good for for your emotional well-being. Uh, you know, I've heard a psychologist say that the worst thing you can ever do to a child is put pressure on them that they can't control. Well, that is the definition of being a a a pastor son, particularly a well-known pastor son. That is pressure on you that you have no ability at a young age to control. And I think some of it has to do with emotions, but you know my my life and my story, Joe is 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 one of ups and downs like many of us. And, and a wise man who does work all over the world named Joe Martin once told me that you really don't need to judge someone till you know their story. <laughs> and you taught our men that here at Abbas House. And my story is that when my father was called to Central Baptist Church at the time in 1979. He was called to this church on the heels of the pastor uh, being accused of murdering his wife. So when my father came here a year before I was born, I have two older sisters, uh, 11 and 8 years old. And when my father was called here, he was 32, uh, four years younger than I am now. And he was called to this church, but it was split. Half the church thought their last pastor was guilty of murder. The other half thought he was innocent. And so my father walks into this church as a young man with an unfinished sanctuary, the church split, no money. Um, uh, they, they would get brought food from members. They didn't get paid often till later in the week because giving was so low. And my mother was a school teacher and had to play the piano. But there was uh, there was some major spiritual warfare at this church. And, and my father People think he just was a, a Baptist pastor that was president of the Tennessee Baptist Convention and uh, a famous Baptist that went uh, into the charismatic movement for no reason. But if they had fought the hell that my father had fought, uh, they would understand why he's written books on demons and spiritual warfare and believes in these things. So he, he's called here, Joe, in 79 as a young man. 
Um, and you fast forward 11 years from that point, when I was 10 years old, I, I, um, we had a major crisis in our church that I'll tell you about. But I have some painful memories of deacons during those uh, years in the 80s cursing out my father. Uh, we were a deacon-controlled church at the time, and there were some great men and women of God that are still here with us um, that I'm thankful for. But there were some very vicious religious people and I, I remember seeing how my dad was treated, and a, and a bitterness came for the church at a young age. Um, and I heard those things, and it really scarred me at a young age. And then I get to age 11, and the worship pastor slash student pastor that my father inherited uh, when he came as pastor, 11 years into my dad's tenure, was found out to be a pedophile going back 20 years. So my father always dreamed, Joe, of having a television ministry, but he didn't want it to be CNN. Uh, we, we made national news, and they investigated my father going back to his childhood. Luckily, other than, uh, you know, um, very mi minor things, my dad was, he only dated one woman, my mother. You know, he was a virgin when they didn't, ha they couldn't find anything on dad, and he knew nothing of, any of this that was going on, he inherited this staff member. But my my father during that time lost his dad, my grandfather. He had some health struggles, and all of these 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 tough things happened from age eight to thirteen for me. Um, and I, people treated me differently during those elementary years. Kids would make fun of my dad. I got kicked out of two or three elementary schools um, for fighting. And, and trying to defend my dad. And and so by the time I was uh, a teenager, I, I'd grown very bitter at the church, although there were some godly moments during those teen years that served as seeds that would later come to harvest. I heard great messages, and there were men and women of God that came in my life at certain moments that would sow seeds into my life that would later come to harvest. But I was very bitter in my teen years. Luckily, the sport of football kept me occupied for a while until I had an injury and kind of couldn't finish finish that, but started dabbling in, in drugs and things like that, some in high school and on into college, um, uh, got in trouble. Uh, my wife, who's we've been married 16 years, have three boys, but we were high school sweethearts, and her parents didn't like me, and and we had a very volatile relationship, and uh, she was 17, and I was 18, and they didn't like me, and and uh, we had an altercation. Her her father was uh, uh, not a very good father, in my opinion, and he he's reconciled those things now. But we had an altercation, and they they uh, they came after me. Didn't want her to marry me. We ran off and got married, and I was married Joe at uh, just over 19, and. Uh, and as a kid, and uh, my wife was pregnant with my now almost 16-year-old son, who's just an awesome kid and uh, one of my heroes. He's he's the third. We call him Trey. I have two other boys, but um, at the time, those those early years, Joe, were very tough. And I, I I got a corporate job in a Fortune 500 company, worked my way up. My wife still works for a Fortune 500 company, and uh, but. Uh, there was an emptiness inside me, Joe, uh, because I felt called to ministry at eight years old. God had always called me to it, but I had I had allowed the enemy and people to disqualify me from what God's call was. But I had some success in the insurance world, but I was still slipping around. 
you know, drinking a few times a week with coworkers and high school friends and felt like I was still a pretty good dad, uh, not a very good husband, but I was, I was drinking two or three times a week and, uh, you know, occasionally slip around and, and smoke marijuana, you know, and, and things like that in those early twenties. Uh, and, um, about four or five years after we were married, had a nice house and, and uh, was on my way to watch the Miami Heat play the Detroit Pistons in, um, in uh, June of 05 and was going with some high school friends, people that loved me. And uh, they really did. They, they weren't living right, but they loved me, and I'm still close with one or two of these guys. But we were on the way, and we were passing Abba's house. was being built. It had not yet been built, and I felt the Holy Spirit speak to my spirit and say, there lies your destiny. And I hadn't been in the Bible and being raised Baptist, I, I didn't know God could put an impression on your spirit without a verse attached to it. But I, that impression grew stronger as the night went on. I really felt the Holy Spirit. I tried to drink the Holy Spirit away, taking shots, and uh, it, it didn't work that night. And my I was supposed to be home at 11, and my wife called at 11, and the game wasn't over, and I wasn't home when I said I would, and that started one of our weekly fights at the time. And um, although I had accomplished a lot, really, to be 23 um, in business and things like that, I, um, I was miserable. Um, I wasn't addicted to anything but the escape, but I, I was miserable, and I wasn't a good husband. Um, I, I was depressed. I had anger, bitterness inside of me towards religion. Um, and uh, I got home that night, Joe, and I looked in the mirror, and I, I didn't like what I saw. And I began to just feel overwhelmed with guilt and condemnation and conviction. And and I, I looked in the mirror that night, and I, and I, and, and I yelled at God, and I screamed at God, and was mad at God for some things that had happened to me in my childhood that I, I didn't feel like I deserved. And uh, my wife was so scared, she'd never seen me like that before. Um, and she called my father, which was odd. My dad doesn't doesn't wake up ever. He snores like a freight train. And, he, and at, at that time, he was traveling so much, the chances of him even being home, I think I yelled expletives at my wife and said, there's no way he'll answer. He's never around or he's not ever here for me or something of that nature. Just, 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 you know, being angry and saying things. And well, she called my father and he answered on the first ring. It had to be midnight, one o'clock in the morning, which was amazing because he's just, I, he's, he was just never home back then. And my father drove uh, to my house, which was about 30 minutes away from where he lived. And we got right with each other. And I, I had a lot of bitterness towards him. I, I didn't think he was there for me like he should have been as a father. I felt like the ministry came before uh, us kids. And some of that was true. Some of it wasn't. Uh, but that was my perception. I always loved my dad. He was my hero. But there were some wounds I had. Uh, and there were some wounds he had. Uh, and we, we supernaturally came into agreement that night and forgave one another. And he knew I had a call in my life because I, I told him at a young and I and I, I told God that night, really before my before my night ended, I, I shook and, and prayed in the Holy Spirit and I said, Lord, if 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 you'll give me one more chance, I'll follow you and I'll love you for the rest 
of my days. And I said that, Joe, and I had no idea I would have the opportunity to, to pastor Abbas House, which which I've been doing for years and, and will we'll be the senior pastor next year. I had no idea I'd do eight crusades, preach, it, preach for FCA, author books, um, finish school, get degrees. I had no idea. And it wasn't about that for me. It was about I needed peace. And I, I needed to stop carrying that bitterness towards religious people and religion around. And I had to forgive and let that go. And I, I believe with all my heart that I became a better man that night because of the Holy Spirit, a better husband, a better father. Uh, and I preached my first message uh, four months after. And I think my father had me preach preach quickly because he was afraid I'd fall back into that life uh, that I was living because my, my dad was raised by a dad who had some the struggles. And, and I think my father's thought process, well, if he's really called, I'm going to give him a shot and see what God does in, in, in the hopes that he won't go. But sure enough, man, I preached a message shortly after that in October. Uh, again, I, I, I converted in kind of what it, whatever you want to call it, affirmed, confirmed, saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, whatever. God touched me in June, and I preached in October. And when I preached, um, I didn't know what I was doing, but I had the Holy Spirit, and he gave me the message. And the message was a porch, and I, I preached about the porch from John 5 and how the church ought to be a place where the blind, lame, sick, drug addicted could come and, and find a place to belong. And that was my message. And uh the interesting thing was it was on a Sunday night, and rarely were people in the balcony, but the church was packed that night, uh, and people I'd bought drugs from in my early years were there, uh, the, and it was a powerful, powerful night, and uh, we had many saved. I, I laid hands on drug dealers and, and saw people saved, and again, I, I'm probably a better preacher now, more hermeneutically and homiletically correct now, more Greek and Hebrew, and and less nerves, but the power of God hit that place that night, and and that pretty much set me on a path, Joe. I um I kept my job at the company I was working at for another two years. I taught Sunday school. I wasn't immediately brought on this staff. After two years, I was brought on staff as outreach and evangelism part-time pastor because we were having a lot of people give their lives to the Lord. We were doing work in the inner city. And uh, I was calling all the prospects and doing some outreach events. Then I got called, Joe, to an inner city church as pastor in Stone Mountain, Georgia, on Memorial Drive, where, where white was a minority. And here's why that's important, because it's all, my heart has always been mercy. I've always had the gift of mercy and wanted to help people less fortunate than I was. So God takes me out of this mega church and sends me to a church of about 150 the first baby I dedicated was a crack baby. Uh, they stole our um, gang, stole our, our things, and we we we. It was just an amazing experience that year. I was there serving because I didn't know what I was doing. I was in seminary, but those people loved me, and they 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 helped me preach and preached with me, and we saw people saved and baptized. And I matured as a leader in my twenties, pastor in that church, and. Um, I came back to help my father here at Abba's house, and uh, shortly after I came back, years later, he he had a heart, had quadruple bypass, and I had to lead the church in my 20s for six months, which was good for people to see me lead it without him. And the last four years, we've just been serving together, Joe, and it, it's been amazing. But uh, during 
those seasons, you know, I buried my best friend of an accidental overdose in those late teens and went through so much. And, man, I'm just amazed at God's grace. I don't deserve anything that I have, but I'm so thankful for it. And, I, and I, I'll spend the rest of my life trying to honor God and, and lead people to him because of all the grace he's given me. And I hope I haven't been too long-winded, but that's my, that's, that's my story. And what I've been through. Well, I tell you, Ronnie, what what a what a what a phenomenal testimony. And as you're sharing your testimony, I'm writing down certain notes. And I know I'm not going to be able to get to a lot of these questions about your testimony because we do want to talk about the power of agreement. But I'm so glad that you shared your story with us because you don't really know a person until you know their story. And I said a story can usually consist of their secret struggles, their scars. Um, and obviously you have them. But um, before we move on to talking about the power of agreement, I, there's two things I want to touch on because I'm always putting myself in the seat of the men out there who are listening to this. Um, there's a lot of church hurt out there and we're going to get to that in a second. But I want to go back to your dad, to your dad. And I wrote a note down to myself here because I think one of the biggest fears that a father has if he's doing it right and what I mean by doing it right, not that he's doing it perfectly, but he's like our listeners out there. They're, they believe in the Lord. They're trying to um, raise their children according to God's word. They're doing the best they can what they have, but they're trying to do it the right way. And even though your dad was a, a big time pastor, he still is a man. And he had to believe that he was doing a great job raising you. And you, I, mentioned, I think you mentioned you had two other sisters, older sisters, and he had to believe he was doing a great job. But obviously, based on the path that you chose, you went in another direction. And I understand that you had the bitterness towards um, the other people, but there were some wounds you said that your dad caused or that and maybe you attributed to him falsely or it was not right. But the fact is, they were still there. The question I have for you, Pastor Ronnie, is help us fathers out there who are striving to be the kind of dad your dad was, but still we miss some things now because you're a dad, but I want you to put yourself in the role of being that son again. And if you had to give advice to us as fathers out there who are ministry leaders, preachers, pastors, um, strong in our faith and people are pulling on us in different directions. And yet we have a family at home. What advice would you give us to help us kind of at least avoid some of the mistakes that obviously that happened with your dad unconsciously and unintentionally. My father, I tell everybody, he won the quality. He lost the quantity. And I'll explain that. Um, my dad's still my hero and I'm following in his footsteps and he's someone that I love. My sister's even though I had a lot of wounds from being a pastor's kid, they had more than I did. My father made the most of his time with me by speaking life into me, loving me, and, and being a friend to me. Even when I was at my worst and we could not see eye to eye, he still found a way, even through some angry rants and fights, we would take a drive. He would let me be a man around him, even at 15 and 16. And so I tell he won the quality game. He would say now, and he said this from the pulpit, that he regrets putting the church ahead of us uh, as much as he did. Because when you're pastoring, my father didn't, my father's father was an alcoholic. My grandfather, mother died and father abandoned him. So you see a pattern, Joe, where my grandfather thought he was, 
he was he was you know masking his pain with alcohol and he wasn't there for my father so my father was a much better father than his father uh, but my grandfather was a great grandfather but my father was a much better father but my father thought if I if I follow God in his church and his word a hundred percent and I go into all the world and preach the gospel that everything else will be take care of itself and my father didn't do anything intentional but what happens is as pastors we, we try to be all things to all people and our job as pastors is to really point people to God and and you know there's some hospital visits I'm not going to make if my son's got a baseball game. Uh, there, there's some things that I'm not going to do uh, if it, if it interferes with me being a husband or a father. Now I'll say this too: to, to, <laughs> I thought I was the perfect father, Joe, till I had a teenager. Uh, I coached him in every sport. I never missed a thing with my oldest son, and now I realize I need some grace because because it's hard when you have three sons my wife travels and works for a corporation and just trying to cover all those bases my advice is simple put your children first and your wife you know your relationship with god your family then your business ministry or whatever it is line of work you're in that's the order it ought to be in and you need to make sure you keep things in that order but my advice is if you are a busy man or woman grandmother grandfather raising your children and you can't win the quantity game. When The moments you have with your sons, your daughters, speak life into them and make those moments count. Those are the things my dad did. Even though he didn't spend the time with us he wished he would have, he made the most of his time. And that's what you have to do. Mm-hmm. And thank you so much, Pastor Ronnie, for sharing that with us because I know that's going to bless a lot of men. Um, you were saying about, you know, we, we often hear when you go into ministry, they say your first ministry is to your family. And we as men tend to get so caught up in the work we do because we kind of define our get our identity through what we do as opposed to what God wants us to be. And one way I've helped myself remind myself, I call it the when it comes to God's priority, I said, um, if you get in God's order, your life won't be in disorder. I call it the three C network and the three C network is um, Christ first covenant second with my wife and then my children. Yeah, you better make sure that covenant's right. That's right, I'm telling if you, man. covenant's not right, the kids for sure won't be. <laughs> I know that's right. And so I'm glad that you shed some light on that because, like you said, your dad didn't do anything intentional. He thought he was being a good dad. Now, I will bring this up because um, I want the men out there to listen to this. And, and you tell me if you agree or disagree with what I'm saying, Ronnie, that we have a, a lot of men who did not have great fathers. You had a good father. Um, my father was not in my life. And like you said, your dad's dad was not a great dad. And so there was a generational thing going. And I often hear a lot of men say that I'm going to, you know, my dad was in there or he was a bad dad. I'm going to be better than my dad. And I often tell men that's not enough. I said, that's not good enough. And they said, what do you mean? That's not good enough. I want to be better than my dad. I said, well, if you had to rate your dad from one to 10, what would you give him? He said, oh, my dad was probably about a two. I said, so guess what you have to become to be better than him? A three. <laughs> That's not good. Your kids, your kids and your wife need more than a three. <laughs> and so we have to watch just being better than the dad who raised us. We have to look at God's standards. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. One hundred percent. And and it almost makes you feel inadequate to even tell your story when you had a had, had a good father who, who read the Bible and who did love you and provide. I have friends whose fathers died. Who, who don't even know their fathers who were abused sexually, physically, had cigarettes put out on them, you know, and it's it, it's hard um, 
to talk to one of my childhood friends who was abandoned by his mother, abused by his father, and say, you know, this spotlight's too bright. <laughs> yeah. but, 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 you know, but it was real. It was real for me, you know, when I was going through it, when I was dealing with people criticizing my family and, and bashing my dad and falsely accusing during during those years. That Those were very real moments for me at 18 years old, but it, it's hard to compare that to somebody who was completely abandoned and had no one. Yeah, I often tell I often talk to my son. My son looks at my life and see that his life is obviously he has more opportunities and and more support than I had, and he kind of discredits his own struggles and his own. He said, "Well, my dad, you know, I can't complain to dad about this because look what I'm going through." And so I often encourage him. I said, "There's two things you should not do when it comes to your story. Um, you do not um, you do not criticize somebody else's story, and you do not compare your story to somebody else's story." Pain hurts, and it doesn't matter who you are, because what you what you went through with the criticism about your dad, I can't relate to that, Pastor Ronnie. But I can tell you one thing: I wouldn't want to go through it. You know, I wouldn't want my son to go through that right now. If they were kept, if they're raking me through the coals and and slandering my name, I don't want my son to go through that. So we can't compare or criticize anybody else's pain and suffering. But I do want to talk to you about one more thing before we get into the power agreement, because I believe this is this is good stuff that you're sharing with us. Let's go back to that bitterness, since we were just talking about how they were mistreating your dad and, and lying and doing all these things. And it caused a lot of bitterness in you and and how you felt about the body of Christ, the church people. Now, obviously, you've had to go through a lot of healing because you wouldn't be leading the church right now. You didn't. Yes. But, so how give us some advice on how would should what would you advise us to do to cope? Because how do you cope? Because because now you tell me if I'm jumping to conclusion. <laughs> I, I know you're the pastor of the church, but you can't tell me, Pastor Ronnie, that it still doesn't frustrate you. Some of the stuff their congregation does <laughs> and, that, and how they treat each other and that kind of thing, because they're people. So my question is, obviously you've done it successfully, been able to lead this church. How do you cope? And what advice would you give us in coping with these, this thing that you can't eliminate in the church body of Christ? Cause we're all human beings. How, so how can we cope with that? Well, I tell you, you know, the Holy, I know this sounds generic and charismatic, answer but it's honest to god the holy spirit um the comforter my relationship with the holy spirit has transformed my heart to where even my preaching joe if you would have heard me preach the first two or three years you'd have probably turned me off Uh, i was so mean to the church when i preached uh and now if i preached at at a rehab they loved it if i preached at a prison they loved it I preached to our people, and I was wearing them out, and just about the religious spirit. And over the Holy Spirit changed my heart over time and gave me a love for God's people. Because when, if I'm being honest, some of the greatest people I've ever had the privilege to meet have been in the church. Some of the most horrendous people and horrible people I've ever had the dishonor to meet have been in church also. And what happens in ministry is we end up whipping on the people that love us and the people that need to hear what we're whipping them with aren't there to hear it. They left many years ago. And so God really transformed my life. And that bitterness, you know, is, uh, and not to get overly biblical, but it's really a spirit of Esau. And it's one of the most destructive spirits in all of the Bible. Um, and, you know, Hebrews tells us we've got to pursue peace with all people and holiness. 
and that's what the Holy Spirit has has allowed me to do is is to pursue peace with people, uh, lest any of us fall short of the grace of God. And I had to let that bitterness that springs up and causes trouble uh, not defile me. And I had to I had to ask God to forgive me of that. And God's taken that and transformed it really into a, a, a supernatural motivation to 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 sh- break off that religious pe- uh, spirit off the church and to see us welcome. Uh, people that look differently, act differently, to actually welcome sinners. Imagine that, you know, that you're actually open to people who have different political views. Maybe even they might even be gay. Imagine that, that we allow these kinds of people to come in and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we love on them. It reminds me of somebody, Joe, I think his name was Jesus. Yeah, I think his name was Jesus. Uh, But the Holy Spirit has allowed me, and what I've learned about God's people, and when I say God's people, I don't mean the people that attend church. The people who really have a relationship with God, they can be taught. And I've used the Word of God and the grace of God to teach the people who've who've stayed with us here at Abba's house. and I've used the Word of God just as my father used the Word of God to bring us into spiritual renewal and to, and to teach this Baptist, traditional Baptist church in the 70s and 80s to bring us into being a spirit-filled Baptist church and to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. I've used the Bible to, to open our doors to the lost and to hurting people and, and to diversity. And that's really uh, and discipleship. That, so those are the things. So I wish I had a better answer, but the Holy Spirit, just through my process, that process of creation, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, that process, Joe, uh, just changed my heart towards God's people. But bitterness, whether it's at your parents, an ex-wife, uh, you know, that spirit can can eat you up and cause you from ever advancing in God's kingdom. You know, I, I tell you, Pastor Ronnie, I, I love um, having these kind of conversations. I told you before we came on the air that I had questions I wanted to ask you, but I'm going to let the Holy Spirit lead us. And I'm thinking I may not even get to the questions about the, about the book, but because already something in my spirit is stirring me that that God has taken us in a different direction, um, because this is the power of agreement, of reconciliation of loving um, the body of Christ as well as loving our families. And obviously, you could, we can see now why you were inspired to write such a book with your dad. Um, but you you are apologizing for giving this answer. But I don't think you need to apologize because I'm going to summarize it and make it super practical, basically what you're saying. You're saying that we should ask the Holy Spirit to show us and help us to love God's people. In their mess, in their muck, in their... because. We need the same type of grace and mercy given to us. Um, one of the things uh, I, I struggle myself with this, Pastor Ronnie, because uh, not to the I hadn't I didn't go through what you went through, but I, I look and I get frustrated when I see um, church attenders quote Christians, but we're not acting like Christians and loving like Christ. And then God, the Holy Spirit, had to convict me basically on what you just said. God has uh, revealed to my spirit. He says, um, Joseph, do you love me? And of course, I said, God, yes, I love you. He says, how can you possibly love me if you don't love my children? And what he revealed to me is the equivalent of if a man out there right now who's dating uh, a single mom who has children. Could you imagine going to that woman and say, I love you, but your kids I can't stand. <laughs> you know, what, what do you think she's going to say? You can't be in relationship with me unless you love my children. 
And so um, I had a pastor once tell us that he says, I want you to think of the person who gets on your nerve the most. He did this right in church. And we said, okay, he said, do you have that person in mind? He said, guess what? God loves them too. <laughs> he said, whether you like it or not, God loves them. Well, and now I've seen this movement in our church because we feed the homeless. We feed 40 homeless people a week. It's not enough, but we, we bus folks in and, and, you know, some of them are, I had somebody come to me years ago. These homeless people are smoking. And I said, well, put an ashtray behind the building next to ours so they'll have a place. And that, that made some people mad. But I, I just I just come at things from a different perspective. I, I, I like it when, when hurting people are in the building. Um, and uh, that's just my perspective. But now it's funny in church because some of these people who have, who have passion uh, for the homeless and for the addicted, the people with, that are super religious, they have no mercy for them. It's so funny to me. So now I'm trying. I, I told a, a a lady that I love, who's just a dear saint in our church the other day. I said, you know, you got to have the same grace for that religious person as you do the homeless person. And so it's what you said, Joe. We 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 need grace, and we better give grace. You know, and I guess I will ask you then to kind of least let's touch on it. Let's look at the power of agreement. Um. What does living, well, let's let, I'll let you define it. Define for us what you mean, what you and your dad mean when you talk about the power of agreement. We kind of alluded to it, but give us a little bit more detail what you mean by that. Well, you know, in Matthew 18, it says, wherever two or three of you agree on any one thing, that I'll do for them in heaven. And um, that word agreement is symphonia in the Greek, and it means to say the same thing together. It's not about us all talking at the same time but about us communicating the same thing in harmony. It, it's, it's an, the picture is an orchestra. When everyone's playing the part they're supposed to play, it sounds beautiful. But if, if people are playing out of turn, playing the wrong notes at the wrong time, it sounds horrible. And agreement is what we so desperately need in our nation right now. It's what we need in the church. It's what we need in our homes. It's what we need in our marriages. And that's why we wrote this book. Many of the books that we've published through Charisma House are very spiritual books, demons, warfare, angels, or expository books through books of the Bible. And we wrote this because we really wanted to touch on the practical aspects of living, how to have a godly marriage, how to be a godly father. You know, I tell my story in this book. We even talk about corporate living. You know, we, we look at the life of Judas and we talk about how to be a person submitted and under authority. And we talk about having the right kinds of relationships. You know, one of the chapters is the Jesus model for relationships. Uh, and it's truly about being in unity, Joe, with, with, with people who are different than we are and learning how to have those conversations in a godly and peaceable manner and walking in the power of agreement because you know, getting a church, especially a mega church, to agree on any one thing uh, is very difficult. But God said he'll pour the blessing out if he can just find two to come into agreement. It's not just a Christian principle. This is this is a biblical principle and a practical principle. You know, if you can get in unity about something, God's going to bless it. Uh, and, and so that's what the book's about. It's about that symphony, that harmony, um, that we read about in Matthew 18 and in Ephesians about us coming together uh, in one accord. And and the other word we, we get for symphony there in the Greek is epikorigus, we find in, in Ephesians. And I, I love, I don't have time to preach it, but in the prodigal son, you know, the elder son the, went from the father and wouldn't come in from the field. 
you know, the prodigal left and came to himself, came home. The elder brother went to the field. The father went after the elder brother. The elder brother refused to come in. But it said he heard music and dancing. And that word Corrigus there, uh, God's, God has endorsed and catered a party for all his children. There's a party going on, but some people don't want to join the party and come into agreement. And the elder son in that story, the prodigal son, he could not celebrate the fact that his brother was home from the pig pen and who'd gotten the new ring and, and the robe and the restoration and the fatted calf. He, he said, he said, dad, you've never done this for me. All he could see was his own life, his own circumstances, and not the fact that his brother was home. And he heard that music and dancing. And I'm telling you, there is a party going on, but we've got to come into agreement. God's people definitely need to come into agreement so we can get the work done of loving one another and mentoring people and getting the gospel around the world. But, you know, we, we, we're in disagreement in this nation right now. And I'm praying for God to heal that. Now, Pastor Ronnie, why do you think the and we, you know we know what the world is struggling with out there? We're coming into agreement right now with a new president and everything else, and there's so much disunity. And you're right. Why would God bless disunity? You know that that makes no sense. But I want to talk about just the body of Christ because we're on that bent now of some of the damage we cause and do to each other. Why do you think the body of Christ struggles so much with coming into agreement? Well, you know. Before the canon of Scripture was completed, they had a statement of faith or a creed. And they took communion, they had baptism, and they read their statement of faith, the Apostles' Creed. And thank God now we have a completed canon of Scripture. We have a Bible, the Word of God, uh, that should be our foundation. But then we took that into systematic theology that started in, you know, with, with 25 pages and now is a huge multi-volume manual on theology. So the enemy, I think, has used uh, intellectualism to divide the body of Christ. Most of us are in agreement, but we, we would rather stay in disagreement over a few doctrines, a few mm-hmm. verses, rather than come together on the main thing, which is the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And I believe that's, that's one of the things that divides us in the body of Christ, intellectualism, Racism is something that divides the body of Christ. Sexism and denominationalism. Those are the four isms, so to speak, that divide the body of Christ. And they are all sinful. And they're all keeping us from inheriting the kingdom that God has for us. And and if we don't defeat these four uh, demons of religion, then we're not going to have the kind of unity that God's commanded for us to have and that he's coming back for, if you want to get eschatological about it, you know, he's coming back for a bride that's in unity uh, on the hills of a revival. And so the church has much work to do, but it's still the body of Christ. For as flawed as it is, uh, it's still his body. He still loves it. He still died for it. But we've got to get over those four areas, Dr. Joe, if we're going to, if the Holy Spirit's truly going to give us another great awakening. We're, we're going to have to fight through those things. And what's sad and, ama- and amazing at the same time, there was a book um, that I read, man, decades ago called Two Trees in a Garden. I wish I could remember the author who, who wrote it. But early in the book, it had mentioned about how in the body of Christ, we're talking about those who believe in Jesus Christ, that we're divided by, um, we disagree on, we agree on about 98%. 
and we dis, but we're disunity. We we have disunity over two percent, <laughs> and and I, and that's just amazing to me that that those differences can cause a divide. And so I'm glad you touched on the four isms. I think that that's great, and I hope we can remember that as we see as we check our own motives in our own heart when we find ourselves in disunity with one another. Now, Pastor Ronnie, before we get into the man up questions. Um, I want you to kind of briefly go through and touch on what I thought was one of the uh, the best things about your book was the love and benefits of living in agreement. Because I'm hoping that what you touch on and what you cover in those benefits will inspire us to to unify as a body of Christ, as believers, but also to unify and be in agreement with our families. So if you don't mind touching those love and benefits of living in agreement. Well, we'll try to get to most of them, Dr. Joe, but the first one would be access into the presence of God. And we know in the Old Covenant they had to sacrifice animals. and But in the New Covenant, we have full access to the presence of God and His power through Jesus Christ. So the first one is access. You know, you, there's a difference between a, a Facebook or social media friend and a real friend. And if you're, if you're truly in covenant with somebody, which is also one of the benefits, is covenant. I'll get to that. But if you're truly in covenant with someone, you have access to their thoughts, into their home, into their lives. And so the, the, the first benefit is really access uh, into places that others can't go. The next one is provision. You know, a good father provides for his children and God, Jehovah Jireh, is our provider. And so provision, when you're in agreement, God promises that he will bless you. Uh, This is the full promise mentioned in number six, verses 22 through 27. Um, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And there's a blessing of provision that comes um, when you are connected with God's people and you're walking in the power of agreement. Also, one of your favorite words, Dr. Joe, is covenant. Uh, The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him and will show them his covenant. You know, God wants to take us deeper in our relationships with our children, with our spouse, with our friends, with our coworkers with his body, the church, and there's a covenant that that comes from agreement. And then you can't have a covenant without a covering. And, uh, you know, God gives us a covering. And that's really, you know, you get into the theology of the Trinity and the theology of God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know, we're Abba's house, and Abba is Aramaic for father. And, you know, a father offers us many things, Joe, and you could preach this better than me, but spiritually speaking, it offers us a covering. It offers us a covering, uh, which is protection. Um, and, and, and when things come, they can't get in when we're walking in that kind of agreement. The enemy can't uh, attack, or even if he tries, he will fail. The next one is intimacy. Uh, and my favorite passage of Scripture about intimacy with God is Psalms 91. Uh, you know, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You know, there's there's intimacy that comes, and then there's in, invincibility that comes from the power of agreement. This doesn't mean we're going to be invincible and we're going to walk through life without any problems, but this means we're going to be so filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, so anointed because of the agreement we've made a choice to walk in that things won't harm us or hinder us. Um, and then there's immunity. You know, if, in, if it, invincibility is escape 
escaping a trap, then immunity means uh, that long before it gets to us, we'll have the insight to get out of the way. You know, this is wisdom. And uh, also increase is one. Uh, I believe God wants to bless us, according to Psalm 91, 14, with increase and inheritance. uh, And just with his person and who he is, all of who he is, all the things his word promises, his kingdom, his love, his healing, his righteousness, uh, his love, his peace, his companionship. Those are just a few that I've mentioned in the book, and I go into greater detail, but there's so many benefits to making a decision to walk in agreement with others and not disagreement. Pastor Ron, that is awesome because at the same time, we're saying they hope that inspires us because a lot of us come from those backgrounds that that we've been heard by church people, um, by other Christians, and we have a little bit of angst and anxiety and bitterness and that kind of thing. But you're, in a sense, those benefits are actually also warnings that you are denying yourself this when you continue to walk in disunity. You're denying yourself access to God, his provision, the covenant. Oh, my goodness. That is awesome. Well, it's. I told our church Sunday, and I, t- I preached a message on mercy. I've been in a series called Changes because our church is going through a lot of changes. And I talked to him about mercy. And, um, you know, we need. I agree with former President Obama that we need to sit down with the people that we disagree with and have conversations and not attack one another. And I quoted him in my message Sunday. And uh, I, I told our congregation, our congregation is very conservative, uh, but it's very diverse. But I told our congregation, I said, you know, my wife and I are conservatives, but we vacation with liberals. And that's the truth. Our best friends, who's their deacons in the church, are different, have different political views than we do, but we love each other. You know, we love each other. And, and I'm not going to allow the enemy uh, to ruin my relationships over petty disagreements. You know, and the Holy Spirit can help us walk in agreement. And man, we desperately need it in the church and in our homes, uh, in our nation. And I just, I'm believing with you that God will bring the power of agreement. It's funny, we wrote this book too early. This book is more relevant now than it was when it was published. And it's amazing. My father, yes. I guess I've gotten that from my father because my dad says I'm always ahead of the curve. I always write the book too early, start the trend too early, and then we're, you know, it's a pioneer spirit. And uh, But uh, this book is needed now more than it was when we wrote it. Yeah, I agree with you, too, because right now, boy, this you think we've lost our minds in America now. I mean, I've never seen this type of divide before. And so, yeah, this this is a timely book. And hopefully people will start picking it up and there'll be a, a kind of like a rebirth of your book again, because this is good stuff. Now, but Pastor Ron, it's time for the man up questions because we're running short on time, but I definitely did not want to rush without asking you the man up questions. And basically, the man up questions are five questions starting with the letters M-A-N-U-P, and and they stand for different things. And all we require is your brutal honesty, which you've already been with us so far, so you won't have a problem with it. So the only question is, are you ready? I hope so. (laughs) You will be. And we'll come back right after this short break. If you're like most men in our audience... You're committed to becoming the man, husband, father, and leader God called and created you to be. But the truth of the matter is, you struggle with either finding the time or knowing where to start. That's exactly why I created the Real Men Spiritual Leader Blueprint, to give you a step-by-step, easy-to-follow guide to spiritually leading your family, even if you're a new believer. Now, you can't buy the Real Men Spiritual Leader Blueprint, but you can get it for free by signing up for our free e-newsletter. 
By signing up, you will be notified anytime fresh content is added to my site, so you don't always have to visit my blog to stay up to date on the latest information. Now to get your free copy of the Real Men Spiritual Leader Blueprint, just visit realmenconnect.com and simply enter your name and email address on the form on the page. So if you're tired of trying to figure it all out and fit it all in as the spiritual leader, provider, and protector of your family, don't miss your chance to discover how to be the man God called and created you to be. Sign up today at realmenconnect.com. Welcome back, Body Men of God. We're back again here with Pastor Ronnie Phillips Jr., who has been talking to us about the power of agreement. And now he's ready to take on the man up questions. And Pastor Ronnie, the first question starts with letter M, and it's in reference to mistake. What mistake did you learn the most from as a man? Turning my back on someone too quickly. My best friend from childhood died of an accidental overdose, and I had recently gotten married, and I, I turned my back. He tried to reach out to me the last year he was alive, and because I was going in a different path, I, I didn't answer that call, and I, I, that that's probably my biggest mistake in all my relationships is that I've given up too quickly, and uh, so my biggest mistake that I've learned from is is giving up on people too quickly. You know, now, again, I'm not keeping with the script of the man up questions, but now I want to ask, have a lot of times when that happens, people go off into an extreme area where they hold on too long. Have you found yourself in that area yet or you have you no, found some balance? No, no, I found some balance and I don't think you enable people, but I was probably not in a place to help my friend at that in that season. Um, but I would love to talk to him now where I am. I would love to talk to myself back when I was 17 and 18 years old, you know, 17, 20 years later. Uh, but I think we give up on people too soon. Now, there's times the Bible even teaches to walk and you, you got to know when to walk and the Holy Spirit will tell you. But I, I the mistake for me personally, uh, you know, I, I've tried to walk away from things too quickly, not just that one instance. But uh, I've learned a lot from from at least having the desire to walk away too soon. Okay. And we're going to give you an opportunity to talk back to your younger self when we get to the, <laughs> to the you question. Oh, but let's go with the A. And the A stands for attitude. And you work with enough men and you have enough men in your congregation to answer this question. If you could change one attitude about the men that you see and work around, even if the, that you see in society, what would be the attitude you would change in men? It's got to be that spirit of pride. Uh, you know, and, and I'm guilty of it as well. I, I think men are so prideful uh, that they, they oftentimes don't want to participate in worship. They don't want to show emotion. They don't want to hug their children. Uh, they don't want to admit when they're wrong. And if there was one spirit I could change, uh, it's that spirit of pride. You know, pride pride won't allow you to say thank you to those who've helped you along your pathway. Uh, pride, you know, teaches you not to ask for forgiveness when you hurt your wife when you make a mistake and pride really hinders you from God and uh, from having a relationship with God. And so I, I would love to change pride in myself and other men. Yeah. And I would think also given along the lines, what we've been talking about, pride keeps you from agreement, <laughs> walking in agreement and in unity with other people. Wow. So now let's get to the end, the end. And you, you guys do a lot of ministry and do a lot of outreach. 
But what would be the next? That's what the N stand for next. What would be the next big thing you would attempt to do for God if you couldn't fail, Pastor Ronnie? You know, I have a dream to build uh, grace place grace places around the world and i've built a few orphanages and children's centers in central america we're doing some feeding here in chattanooga to the homeless but uh if the next thing i could do i would love to have grace places of abbas house ministries ronnie phillips ministries international i would love to have feeding centers and churches around the world uh, that really serve for no purpose other than helping the hurting and if i couldn't fail i would have them everywhere and i would they would be fully funded Fantastic. Fantastic. Now, let's speak to that 17-year-old you mentioned. Um, the U stands for understand. When you were younger, um, what was one thing you didn't understand about being a man, but you understand now and would tell that man? You know, I don't think teenagers, and I've tried to talk to my 15-year-old son about this as best as I can, and I don't think my teenage self understood the magnitude of the moment or the process. Um, you know, these things that happen, we've had two suicides uh, in two schools close to where Ibis House is located in Chattanooga within the past month, one at my son's school. And and I can remember going through depression and guilt and being embarrassed of, of who my, my parents were and the church and all the rumors and all the hurt that I mentioned earlier in our, this podcast. But I, I think that if as a teenager you want to, I want to go back and tell myself these things really aren't as important as you're making them. You, these moments, these relationships, these people that uh, you're friends with, you're you're going to lose eighty to ninety percent of them, and you're going to retain maybe ten percent of the people you consider to be your best friends. Uh, people that uh, I say there, you know, three types of people, you know, has beens, wanna bees, and gonna bees. And, you know, high school, people that live in that are has-beens. Uh, and, and I'm thankful that my life really didn't begin until after that. Um, and and I'm, I'm glad that I got out of that wannabe and I'm going to be one day and started living in the moment, doing what God had called me to do. And uh, so I would tell my younger self, smile more. Don't take things so seriously. Enjoy your life. Hug your parents. Be thankful for what you have. And uh, probably would have told myself to go to class a little more so that my college and seminary wouldn't have been so difficult. So here's the last question, Pastor Ronnie, and it starts with the letter P, and it stands for problem. As a mighty man of God, what one problem in your life do you still struggle with as a man even today? You know, my thought life. Um, there, there are times, Joe, where things enter in that battlefield of the mind that don't need to be there. Um, whether it's from my past or my present or my future there, I think every man struggles with their thought life. And, you know, to be transparent with you that I believe that uh, we have to cast those things down as, as men of God every day. And uh, we've got to put on the whole armor of God to walk our way through this world. And uh, um, it's a great question. And I, I hope I've answered it in a transparent way because that's the truth. Yeah, yes, you have, Pastor Ronnie. And I appreciate that. As a man thinketh, so is he. And you're right. That's uh, you know we always think every man battles refers to pornography, but I think it's, it refers to our thought life. <laughs> Absolutely, and th and those are all connected. Yes, they they're are. All, yes, they're they all are. connected, and that's why, you know, I said thought life because it's so many things. It's 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 not only what you allow in your mind, what you look at. It's 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 how you respond to others. It's letting go of the past. 
And it's really how you allow the enemy to control the way you feel about God's people, yourself, your family, your future. Uh, and we've got to be more protective of our mind. And, uh, you know, uh, especially for a pastor, you know, because I, I don't know about other pastors that may listen to this, but I've been preaching 11 years and, and have preached so much all over the place, but I don't ever feel worthy to do it. And when I do feel worthy, it's because Jesus makes me worthy, and he, he preaches through me, gives me the ability to do it. But I don't know of a man worthy in his own flesh without the Spirit of God to, to stand up in front of people and point them. But uh, the Holy Spirit makes us worthy, Dr. Joe, and I'm so thankful for his grace and his mercy and his love. Amen. Amen. And we've reached the end of our um, our broadcast today. and. Pastor Ronnie, you did a great job in answering the man of questions, and I thank you so much for agreeing to be on the show. Obviously, uh, I can see now that it was worth the wait. It took a long time. It took a lot of overcoming technical difficulties and everything else, <laughs> but it was definitely worth the wait. And I know the men out there are going to be blessed by what they've heard um, you talk about today. So thank you so for being so gracious with your time. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Dr. Joe. And they can get Power of Agreement on Amazon.com, and we hope they will. And you know, and that was, I was going to get ready to ask you that, so you took the words right out of my mouth. And what we'll do, we'll put that in the show notes as well and how they can get a copy of that. And we'll also put a link to Abba's House as well. So if they want to find out about some of the great work you guys are doing at your church, they can click in and check that out as well. And Amen. So, all right. And for you guys out there, um, please do us a favor. We appreciate you listening. But do us a very important favor if you can. Just take about 30 seconds to go over to iTunes and rate the program. Guys, you've made us the number one podcast on iTunes for Christian men, and we couldn't have done it without your help. So please keep sharing us, keep subscribing, keep downloading. We really appreciate it. Until next time, I'm Joe Martin, your man builder with RealMenConnect.com, reminding you that we are males by birth, but we are men by choice. So each and every day, choose to be the man God called and created you to be, because a male is a terrible thing to waste. So until next time, stay strong, stay blessed, and as always, stay in God's grip. Thank you for listening to the Real Men Connect podcast with Dr. Joe Martin. Real Men Connect isn't just a podcast. It's a mission, ministry, and movement to help good men become the great men God called and created us to be. And the best is yet to come. So if you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and leave us a review in iTunes. It really helps us to build the podcast and to reach, teach, and impact more men, all for the glory of God. And make sure you check out realmenconnect.com to get our free tools and resources to help you go from good man to great man God's way. Again, that's realmenconnect.com. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in the next episode. Real Men Connect is a listener-supported podcast, and we're now the number one radio podcast on iTunes for Christian men. If this podcast has blessed you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to bless and transform the lives of even more husbands, fathers, sons, and leaders, please prayerfully consider supporting this ministry. Just go to realmenconnect.com and click on the donate button. And may God bless your faithful giving.